Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Today, we're going to be wrapping up our first conversation, capping off the premiere of Burn Your Boats. I'm working hard to try to make sure that these conversations and all of these shows are evergreen so that no matter when you get to it, there's going to be value just sitting and waiting for you there. From my end, all that I can ask is that if you did like the show, please like it and share it. My goal is to spread this to as many people as possible. And the best way to do that is word of mouth recommendations. So please share it on Facebook. Talk about it with your friends. If it's something that inspired you or you feel like it could inspire somebody else, I would really appreciate that. And without any further ado, please prepare yourself for round two with Siri Salinas. So what was the difference between your the type of scheduling and care you were able to give in the public schools, like we discussed, when your caseload is just ever-increasing and, and your ability to focus on a child is getting reduced, to what... Because you're a part of a program now that you are in early intervention and you're out of the schools, mm-hmm. but what sets the schedule? Who sets the schedule? I do! I do! <laughs> and that was so awesome and also really stressful. Yes! <laughs> because here, it wasn't this automatic, like, oh, all the paperwork's done, like, all the systems yeah. in place for me. Like, I had to submit everything myself. I had to, even if it was to, initially, that first year, I was working through a staffing company that did the billing for me. Sure. I still had to send them the information for them to do the billing. Um, but I created my schedule. I chose which cases and where I was going to go, and... And instead of it being like, oh, 60 to 90 kids on my caseload in a week, it would be it would be based on one child at a time that might be a part of a family that had siblings or cousins involved. Okay. But but I was seeing the services, I was giving the services for this child while considering the family. Okay. And sometimes I was seeing the child in a daycare and not in the home because there are kids that, you know, as soon as they're like six weeks, they're in a daycare. Yeah. So, um... It, it really varied with that. But I got to decide how many kids I was going to see in a day, what days I was going to work, in what parts of Chicago I was going to see them, and beyond. I saw them in the suburbs, too. And that's... But the other shift is that if I didn't see the kid, I didn't get paid. Yeah, I was just going to ask, so what was the stressful part of creating your own schedule? And also so to making sure that I had enough kids on my caseload continuously, because sometimes... A kid would all of a sudden be discharged or they would move or they would met their goals sure. and I couldn't see them anymore, but I didn't have a ready case available to fill that spot necessarily. Um, or, What's the impact of that? Well, just, then you, is it just financial? It's financial, but it's also like like almost... And do you have to maintain, as a, somebody that's a part of that program, do you have to maintain a certain caseload? No, there's no requirement because a lot of people do it as a side thing in addition to working in schools or working okay. in hospitals. Like you can supplement. So you choose if it's full, if it's part-time or full-time. Okay. And I went from full-time school and doing additional work at a clinic a couple hours a week to doing part-time clinic and part-time home-based wow. to then doing full-time home-based right. and adding on lectures and presentations and parent workshops and then it just kept evolving and 
from there and shifting from where it is right now. But the stressor was also physical because instead of it being in one place where, okay, all the kids come to me, I'm driving from house to house or daycare to daycare. So you have to look at, you know, the how far all the cases are from each other. So I would organize it by region. Like my day, oh, this is my Berwyn, Illinois day. This is my Cicero, Illinois day. This is my Skokie, Illinois day. This is the, this is this zip codes day. Cause some zip codes are so big that all my cases were in this one zip code. This is 60639 day. And I and can this see is, how that could be like exciting for the first couple of weeks. And then as you're making these trips nonstop and then dealing with your health yeah. issues. So, what what were some of those? <laughs> How much time do we have? Um, oh my gosh, I had so much stuff going on. Um, it's interesting. The my life and my body are so different right now. Like, I actually have to take a pause a lot of time. Anytime I think about how my health was then, it's almost it just, like, it's like looking at a different person. Yeah, it's like okay, CDs of two thousand and seven. Like, what was that like? Okay. Um, I had a, almost anything related to my immune system was pretty, was like underground. So like I was constantly having different infections um, and antibiotics after a while just weren't effective. Yeah. Um, the the many of the go to ones were just after a while, like it would create other infections, and then it would just be this like domino effect. Uh, and I was also in so much pain. <laughs> I was in. I had like the body of someone in their eighties, in my twenties, where I was hunched over, where I would be walking fine, laughing with my friends. The next thing you know, they'd look back, and I was on the floor crouched down, writhing, you know, um, I had a lot of, I was allergic to the world. <laughs> I, and I, I say that jokingly now, but I think that that's actually some truth to it. There's some truth to it. All of the unconsciousness of the world and my own unconsciousness. And, uh, so I was, I was allergic to multiple foods, um, nuts and uh i had had an intolerance or a sensitivity to gluten and things but then also everything outside the weeds all the trees mold dust cats i mean yeah sounds like the world it was like a lot yeah and so here's the thing i had all of this while going to grad school i was doing two master's degrees two master's degrees and and it's amazing people are like oh i couldn't have done that it's like you're it's amazing what you can do when something's just your normal, like, yeah. like I was like, and I wasn't going to let that or anything else stop me from, from having a life and having friends and having relationships and, and traveling. And, you know, I let that stop me from traveling a little bit, I must admit. But as soon as I got ahead of it and it started shifting, I was like, let's go, let's get on a plane. Let's go yeah. do stuff. Uh, and so your mentality about this, like your outlook. Mm. So... When you're projecting forward five, ten years, and you've been dealing with this for as long as you can remember, is this this start developing when you were a teenager? Yeah, it was high school. So from that point, you've been dealing it with it, and you're in grad school. It's like at least a decade. So this is what you know. Yep. And this is what you can see. Yep. 
So this is this is your reality. So I was like, and next, what what am I going to choose? And I I got that like pretty clearly that my work in the Chicago public schools, as much as I knew I was a contribution and I was affecting change, and I loved my coworkers and I loved the kids, I was like, this is killing me. Yeah, it's literally. And I, I could literally. I could, there was no doubt. My doctors were like, "You're gonna die." They told me that they were like, "If you don't change something soon." You're going to get pneumonia because you're going from chronic sinus infections to chronic bronchitis. You had a, a pneumonia-like bronchitis that's coming up. If it keeps going in this direction, you're going to get pneumonia and you're going to die. And I was like, all right, doc. So you don't have any solutions for me? Because I was trying all their yeah. interventions and yeah. none of the traditional stuff was working for my body. So I was like, all right, well, what do I have control over? I have control over... Everything that has to do with me and my body. All right, so let's look at work. And so I looked at where my work life. And I was like, this is adding a lot of stress to my body. This is this is doing not so great things. So let me look at. And I started. I took gave myself the two years. Remember, it was just three years. I was like, yeah. I gave myself the two years to do the research and plan out my exit. And I uh, and I let a few people know. Um, those that could actually hear it and not freak out. Yes. Because <laughs> that's yes. the other thing. You don't need somebody raining on your parade and, and then you having to process through their grief and their stuff while you're while you're planning out this big shift. Absolutely. Um, and then I did all the applications and everything and I started working um, in, the, in home base and in clinic while also adding on a bunch of other interventionists and a lot of other alternative medicine stuff to address the pain and the health because the I had wonderful allergists I had a chiropractor I had a Chinese medicine person all these different things and yet they were like we don't really know what to do with your body you need yeah. to reach out to some other people and my mom found a naturopathic doctor and that's the person that with her and the Reiki that she taught us uh, that was what was like the, the pivot point in my health physical health and mental health a lot of it too where I was like, oh, wow, I can actually see that I'm climbing out of this right. chronic illness. I, I had, I was not requiring medication year round anymore. Wow. It was less and less and less. And within... After a decade. Yeah. That being your reality. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really know who I was going to be. I didn't know who I was going to be on all fronts. I, if I'm not a school speech language pathologist, who am I going to be? Yeah. Like if I'm not in the schools, that was a big part of my identity. Identity, if, yeah. If I don't have all these illnesses and pain, who am I going to be? Like people would do their impressions of me and they were always be like, oh, how's my nose? How's my nose? Because I was always asking people because I was like, had all this nasal stuff all the time. So they would do what their impression of me was, how's my nose? Um, but the guilt when I left was was big because my colleagues were still there and yet one of the things that 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 really hit home for me was choice yeah like it's it was their choice to stay absolutely and for some of them it's still their choice to stay yeah but on the other side of it that I'm I'm, for me personally and also for the kids that I worked with since then as well I'm glad I left because sometimes you leaving or you choosing something different first gives people the permission or like the invitation to actually choose yeah. it themselves. It shows like, oh, that that path exists. Yeah. It's interesting. That just reminded me of when you talked about the golden handcuffs. Mm. And so that seems like such a, a, 
a neat, fun, interesting way to turn over your your control. You're yeah. saying you're like I'm submitting, I'm giving up my my control of my future because oh well I make more money here because of that. Like the golden handcuffs is just like it's it's that's gross. Like it's a, it's just it, a it's justification. A, it's an, exactly, it's you justifying like well I make more money and and we all acknowledge it. And so yeah. now we have this group thing. Oh no, they have the awareness so. of it. Absolutely, they knew that they were choosing it and that it was stressing them out and that their lives were limited because of it yet they were still choosing it and that's fine um and then when i left and i was getting the messages and they kept checking me like oh are you actually able to make money oh are you actually having fun oh what are the kids in the case so they would they were basically doing research through my experience yeah and then so many of them have left oh that's fantastic since i'm glad that they were inspired to make that choice it's a mixed bag so i'm glad for them for those that they that it wasn't working for them yeah that they left, and I'm also still concerned about the schools <laughs> because yeah. if everyone leaves, well, that, who's working with the kids? You could see so in any big change, <clears throat> there's going to be, um, and especially in areas that require change in order for improvement, there's going to be people that suffer. Yeah. It. It's unfortunate, but it seems to be the case. It's hard to see a big transition period for things to improve. At any point in history when that's happened, there's been people that have been trampled on in order for that to happen. You know, innocent bystanders who just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Those kids that happen to be in school. And I would hope that if a big enough shift happened where, like, there's just this exodus of specialists at schools, like, we're doing something wrong. Well, they did that did happen in early intervention where all of a sudden when there was a state budget crisis and the early intervention providers who get paid through the state weren't getting paid like they weren't getting paid for nine months like they'd provide they'd provide a service and then they'd get paid nine months later and so there was this max exodus um of the providers and so that was a wake wake up call for the state and they started making some changes it did it wasn't immediate sure it took a while yeah that hasn't happened in the same way with the in the schools um, because they'll go on strike, but they're not all leaving, leaving. Right. They're not all resigning. Yeah. Like, it's different. And so if... And they can't all resign. Like, that's the other part for me that I saw is, like, if we go on strike or if these things happen with the state budget, like, and, it, and that actually impacted me even in early intervention later because it was a couple years in, um, I was like, I don't have another income. Like, yeah. I was single. A lot of my colleagues had a partner or, you know, they had a parent or somebody that could right. that could pay for their mortgage. I was like, I have a mortgage. <laughs> like, I am, I need to know the that. the sole provider for my life. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, I need to know that this, that this money's coming in and one with the other. And, and so you did that. You made that shift and that transition while being on your own. Like, yeah. knowing that you're entering into a field that is, has very much the possibility of paying you less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, here's the other thing, too, is that it wasn't just about the money for me. One, it was about my sanity and the space yeah. that it would provide in my life. Because one of the things I loved about the shift, as much as it was a big shift to not be paid every two weeks and to be like, let's see when I'm going to get paid. If it's sure. going to be monthly, every two weeks, you know, all these different things. Um, it also opened up for me to not only think that I had to have one revenue stream. That's huge. So it actually started this path where I'm on now where I can I can think of at least 10 different revenue streams that I have right now just off the top of my head. 
while before, so not just only relying on any one thing, not putting my eggs on any one basket. Like I think that's where most people are moving to in now in in every in entrepreneurship, but just period. Like even those who have like a full time job, they're yeah. like, let's make sure I have the four hundred one k. Let's make sure I have some investments here. Right. Let's make sure I have some hobbies and projects that might be some freelance work I can do. Yeah, I think that's um, a, that's an important thing, especially for like as we transition into that is like we're still existing and living with a generation multiple generations of people that are that know nothing about that right there were the factory workers yeah uh lifelong secretaries or mm-hmm. paralegals and stuff like that and that's what they do and teachers and that was that, the case that was yeah. the safe job you if you 40, get in and you can years, do it for your whole life yeah, and, and then you retire and that's and not can, the case anymore no and it's and so how to how to best model that for the kids, you know, and to like, because they're seeing their parents do things one way mm-hmm. and then that's not going to be the way that jobs are going to exist with all yeah. of the changes and everything that are happening. Well, and the young folk right now, they get that. Yeah. They already get that. Yeah. And I, one of the things I love is that I was, I had an entrepreneurial spirit at a very young age. Like I wanted to do the lemonade stand. Yeah. I, I was selling bracelets like those like friendship bracelets yeah. in like fifth grade and things like that. Like I was already like, I don't want to wait until I'm an adult to make money. Like yeah. I don't want to wait until I like I have this exchange in this way and can receive like I have skill sets now. Why not maximize, you know, and take advantage of them. And and a lot of the folk that I see, a lot of the young folk I'm working with, including the teenagers, they see that on YouTube. They see that yeah. people are like that are making money playing video games or, you know, cooking on YouTube or, you know, demoing different skills and stuff like that. People, there are parents that are hiring like high level Fortnite players to come to their homes and teach their kids how to be better at playing Fortnite. Wow. Because there are multiple different ways to gain revenue for their kids in that path. I'm like, that is how out of this world is that? Instead of being like, oh, you needed to stop playing video games. Yeah. You can't make you money. You need to get like, serious like, about no, your work. Yeah. The parents like, are like, let's get serious about this potential. Like, if this is what you're passionate about. Make sure you make money out of it. Yeah. Like, I actually read an article. One of my 10th graders, um, he's obsessed with video games. And, and he has really pretty severe autism. Um, in And more in the Asperger side, he could definitely talk and communicate but there's definitely the academics isn't so great for him, but video games he's amazing at, and one of them is Fortnite. And so I found this article of a man by the name of Nick Overton, who's in I think Iowa or Ohio. I always mix up those states. And <laughs> somewhere in the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> Except that Iowa with the elections and stuff, I remember that. Yeah, right. But like um he I think he's in he's actually in Iowa and he makes about three hundred thousand to five hundred thousand a year. Wow. playing Fortnite, and he talks about breaks down all the different ways that he does it because it's not just i show up i turn the console on and no. i get paid and he also has like longer hours than most people yeah. who work like definitely more than me and i work a lot yeah. like he'll start sometimes at like nine o'clock in the morning and end at like 10 o'clock at night doing different things related sure. to that like and so just to show him that like for the student that that's possible and that he can there's a different ways of earning money and even that one person it's not he's not putting it all on YouTube streaming or all on Twitch or all on this or like the consultations the sure. contests and competitions like it's a bunch of them and kids get this now and 
I got it a little bit as a child, and then it was kind of like not encouraged. Right. Because I had two teachers that were parents. My parents are both teachers, and so they were about the security. And only later on when I was dealing with all this health stuff and stuff for myself, I was like, no, I need to make sure I have a lot of different things going on. And from that point onward, it's been add more, add more, add more revenue streams, more possibilities. So if one thing shifts here... It's fine because I wouldn't. I didn't have all my eggs in that basket anymore. And you can kind of flow with all the changes in the economy and the world. And for you personally, like what would you like to actually yeah. have your energy direct toward more? And and it's a lot. It's fun for me. It also takes a lot of organization. Sure. Um. So even not everyone can do like ten, and that's fine. It's not fun for everybody. For right. me, it's really fun. Um. And it takes a lot of organization. So I'm not going to like see it like, oh, it's just so easy. Like you don't have to do that. Uh, But it started with those two. It was like, okay, I'm going to go from full-time school to school and clinic to clinic and home-based. So, okay, now let me add on guest lecturing at universities. And let me add on doing some parent workshops. Because I saw a lot of parents that like they weren't sure if they should call early intervention to get their child evaluated or not. Or they had concerns, but there was a stigma culturally where they would stop them from actually reaching out to get services um, and addressing that. So, and then it just kept adding on from there um, and doing now adding on telepractice and then facilitating classes around the world with access consciousness. So getting into the access consciousness side of things. So you, your health started to improve when you were introduced to Reiki, right? That was like the initial... Process. So, how did how did access find its way into your world? Um, after Reiki, and I started playing around with that, I became a Reiki master teacher. Um, was doing a lot of like meetups for people to like practice Reiki and things, and guiding them through it, and facilitating classes with that. And this was a separate thing that I kept away from my speech and language career. Like I kind of compartmentalized, yeah. And um, and then I started doing playing around with other tools like shamanic energy work and and then around 2014 after I was already basically in phenomenal health for the most part um there was a a couple of residual stuff that I was dealing with but I was like 90 percent compared to where I was where it was where my immune system was underground um my mom was in massage therapy school and one of her teachers gave her an access bar session Okay. And then she was thought it was so amazing that she ran everyone's bars in our family, my brother, my sister, me, and my grandmother. So you're going to have to you're going to have to dive into that. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> when you say run someone's bars, that's what you call when you're like giving someone an access bar session. And access consciousness is a system of tools where some of them are hands-on, some of them are verbal that basically get to what's actually true for you. And by hands-on, what do you mean? Like you're actually touching okay. your own body you if you're literally... giving it to yourself or you're touching someone else's body. And a lot of times it's like their head or maybe it's okay. their their back, um, their forehead, their abdomen. It depends on what, what of the many hundreds and thousands of tools you're using. And you activate different energies so that you invite that person's body to have more ease. To okay. actually have what's true for it beyond the judgment beyond anything that we've been told about like money and business. So we're talking about money and business. My family and friends in the media 
say a ton of stuff about money and business all the time to us, right? Yes. And how much of that is actually true <laughs> for yeah. us? How much do we choose to allow to be true? Yeah. Like, you know, if I listened to my family and friends, I would never have left CPS. And Absolutely. I and I probably would be dead right now. We yeah. never would have met. Yeah. You know? Um, if I listened about to the them. the amount of success that you had. <laughs> and not even just that, not even personal success, but like the amount of lives that you've touched between children and then through access you know, and the benefits, none of that would have happened. Yeah. You know? And so, but so with that, with the people that you've helped and access, or I guess getting to even before that. Mm. So as you're being introduced, as like this comes up, yeah. what's, what, what's your thought process about it? I mean, because at like, first that was just, just from, for me, I was like, this is just for me. Yeah. I didn't think of it as something professional, like that I was going to do as a facilitator and travel the world with it. I was just like, ooh, this is a relaxation technique. This is going to create me to go, ha, ah, more after my yeah. working with the kids and families. Like, this will help me have, like, a second win for the night after work. Like, that's yeah. what I would do. I would, I took my first access bars class, and I was able to give myself the treatment sessions. So, after work, I would give myself treatment sessions, and I had more energy for the night. And so, you were getting tangible results. Absolutely. And so, that's, that's what, even going back to the Reiki in the initial part, I mean, you're coming from a highly educated background and entering into a world that is that has a lot of judgments and, and different perspectives mm-hmm. and you know uh, like taboo yeah. Yeah. kind of around it mm-hmm. and so like what was that type of energy work already were you already familiar with it before like starting to play with it and where you were getting those health benefits or was it more, was it introduced to you then and you were like, at this point I'll try anything. Um, I, I had heard some stories, um, culturally being born in Puerto Rico, there's a lot of talk about like Santeria, mm-hmm. which is different than voodoo, but it was like this this kind of like peripheral thing in our culture that most people didn't really talk about, but a lot of people were like, when you were in the dire circumstances, that would be like a last-ditch effort you go there. But I never had any experience with it personally, and even with my family directly. I just heard these kind of stories. And when I finally started playing around with it, it was more just like, oh, let me try it out. Let me see it, because my health had already improved quite a bit. And I'd have some of these bouts of like dips where it wasn't always long lasting but I could use the Reiki and the shamanic energy work to address it what I was looking for and I didn't realize it at the time when I started playing around with access consciousness tools is that I wanted something longer lasting where I didn't have to go back and read and 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 heal it again or shift it again it would just be gone like it would just be obliterated from my from any consideration in my world anymore and that's one of the things that I noticed right away was all of a sudden it was like instead of having to like go to the doctor to check in and maybe quarterly i i don't ever really need to see the doctor right like i can't remember the last time i saw the doctor (laughs) i'll get a physical once a year check in if i remember you know i'll I'll get my dental you know like the x-rays and like check my teeth and stuff but even my dental hygienist was like why do you keep coming here like can we just you could you know i'm not supposed to tell you this but given who you are and how great your teeth are you could just come like every couple years. 
It's fine. That's amazing. And I'm like, oh, okay, because I really like my dental hygienist. I'm like, I really want to hang out, but okay. I guess I can say that oh, money and time. Just quality time, all right. So definitely tangible results. Um, and it's also just a lot of fun. It was really easy. And it was a big shift from, like you said, like the super educated evidence-based like modalities of speech and language and, and learning behavioral stuff. Because um, after getting grad school, I... I am a speech language pathologist. I'm a learning behavioral specialist. And then I added on feeding therapy. So I was a feeding therapist in early wow. intervention. So it became something that was, that was excited me and, and, and interested me when I was working with kids and I didn't want to have to delegate out to another speech therapist to do this feeding therapy. Sure. I was already addressing them talking and Why not just do it all yourself? And I was like, boom, here. You don't need to have... Because then it's like, maybe that other person might be monolingual and I was working with a bilingual family oh, and go. things like that too. So I was doing all this evidence-based work and here's something that you can't cognitize. Right. That you can't like really explain. Like you really have to experience it to know what it could create for you. And so I was like, all right, I'll, I'll dice up, you know, I'll play it around. But you recognized the taboo in it when you were in it because you wanted to keep it compartmentalized. <laughs> It wasn't that. It was actually, for me, I didn't separate it because I thought it was taboo. Okay. I, I was choosing it for me, and so I was like, this is my personal life, Got and no it. one's so asking is, right. I'm not, for like, it. Right. I'm choosing this for myself. Yeah, this is for my own fun and health, just Got like it. I wasn't telling my clients about like who I was dating. Sure. You know, yeah, or same. like you know, bringing up like stuff in my family unless they were like, hey, how's your family going? I was like, you know, even then, I wouldn't really get sense. into it, okay. just to be professional. Um, but then pretty quickly I realized that, you know, some of my family's like, okay, with the, we, I've noticed this progress here with their speech or with this. Is there anything else you think of, you can think of that I might be able to try with my child? Because I really want to make sure that I'm doing everything possible. Wow. And for some of my parents, when I got the awareness that like, oh, this might be something that'd be open to, then I would bring up the access consciousness tools and they would be like, oh my God, this is amazing. They would see the tangible results, like right. that their child was having less tantrums. Wow. Like that they were making faster progress, that they would all of a sudden talk clearer when I was touching different spots on their head or, you know, that I would use these occupational therapy techniques while also giving them certain energies that I learned from access consciousness. And so they could see that and they were like, what did you just do with my kid? I want to learn how to do that. <laughs> I want that. I yeah. want that in my tool bag. And then they or they'd say, "Oh my gosh, you're always so happy and positive." And I know you're working with kids that are tantruming and they have behavior, they have autism, that have, you know, all these different things going on, these tough cases. How are you always so happy? And I was like, "Well, you really want to know?" Because <laughs> it's this weird thing that's like I can't explain, but yep. it's totally changed my life. Right. And they'd be like, "Okay, look, tell me about it." And then I'd tell them, and then they would want a session, and then they would be like, "Oh my gosh." This, I have such peace and calm now, or I get it. Like while in the middle of my kid tantruming, how you're so calm. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so those are those are part of the impact. So you talked about getting the kids to actually participate and like run their bars or yeah. what have you. Um, but I could before, even use the verbal tools with right, them too. I was thinking so. Like, what other impacts? Like, how did it affect? your ability once you started incorporating this in a significant way in your life like for and how it changed the way that you viewed the world what kind of impact did that have even on like just emotionally with the relationship with the kids but also like the efficacy of your treatment mm. um it took me a minute because i was so busy i had such a full yeah. caseload 
you know, it took about a year of using some of the tools and incorporating into the speech and language therapy in subtle ways. A lot of them are just questions. Like in a session, a kid would tantrum and I'd be like, how does it get any better than this? And the parent would be like, huh, you know, and then all of a sudden they would would notice that, that it actually helped the kid be open to it, like getting better, even for us to be open to like, all right, well, let's not make it significant. Um, what else is possible? What else can we try with this kid? That's another question. And these are all questions that come from access. Yeah. That it's like, it's, and I use some of these questions before access. And that's one of the things I love is that access is all about empowering you to know what you already know. So it's like, what were you already doing that was working? And then what if you could actually acknowledge that and then use it more consciously? Like, it's like, I'm actually going to choose to use this because I get that it creates more, that creates greater possibilities. Um, and so I would do this, I would do these small little things. And the parents started saying that, how does it get any better than this? Like throughout their day, I was like, that was your home play for this week is, yeah. is play around with when the kid's tantruming and also when it's going really well at yeah. home, ask, how does it get any better and see if it can get better and better and better. And, um, I lost my train of thought there a little bit. Um, cause I was already like, Ooh, how does it get any better than this with this, with this <laughs> talk, this chat right now? Like, Oh my gosh, all the possibilities show up. But, uh. <laughs> Yeah, the parents were asking for something else, and they could see the changes. Um, and so more and more, they actually, some of the parents started actually taking access consciousness classes or asking to be connected with other facilitators um, or getting sessions from me. And sometimes the people that would find me through access was like, oh, you're a speech-language pathologist? Oh, then let me go and do that. So it kind of, it started they already. fed each other. Yeah. Wow. So some people wanted one, the other, and some people wanted both. And so it was already the people were telling me that this is what I could do. I could have a business that had both. I didn't have to compartmentalize anymore. Um, and so I was kind of waiting for that to actually to, to have that signal. And, for, and I was willing to, that's the other thing too. A lot of us would get told and we're asked all these different things, but then we don't mm-hmm. listen to it right. and actually make the changes in our businesses and in our lives to honor that. And it's, it was interesting how... A lot of people wait for permission. Yeah. Like, when, who, when, when are they going to come? Who's going to come? And when are they going to come to tell me, it's okay to do this? Yeah. Like, and it's something that you love and you want to do. And you're like, well, I haven't seen anybody do it. And it's just like, just like I you still talk- haven't seen anybody do it. Well, and, well, and just like you had talked about in the, uh, in the school, when you left, then that created that image. Yeah. And it created that opportunity to other people like, oh, I, Thousands of other practitioners, yeah, in in access consciousness, yeah. So, because it exists in 179 countries right now. Wow, that we have practitioners in 179 countries. That's yeah. amazing. So that's pretty awesome. How many? How many people have you been able to facilitate classes for? Hundreds so far, like between in person and online. Yeah. Um, I haven't actually sat down and looked so at that. Been, sure. Yeah. yeah course, no, but that's course. actually a fun. Like, thanks for asking because now I'm, I'm curious. Like, how many has it actually been? Yeah. <laughs> like of the different people. Because you've been doing it for a while now, and and four or five years. And then that doesn't even account for the amount of people that 
come in and continue to receive, you know, that, mm-hmm. that statistic wouldn't reflect that. Right, um, right. So there's a lot of different ways to look at the impact that you're having. So in the same way that we kind of discussed speech and language earlier, what is, what are like one of the more, some of the more like memorable events that you've had in facilitating access mm-hmm. with people that have showed up and, and obviously you don't have to go in too much detail with the problems that they have. Cause I know a lot of it can get really personal. Yeah. Um, but so people that have come up and, and have had a lot of success using this, we've seen yours, we've discussed yours, um, and the impact that it's had throughout the rest of your life, both personal health and, and professional, other professional. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how have you been able, how effectively have you been able to spread this to the people that you're facilitating for? Um, I mean, there's always more possible. I know that. I'm really, really grateful for everyone who's ever taken one of my classes and had a session. Um, gosh, I've had people where, like, after the class, they're like, oh my gosh, I've had the best sex I've ever had with my husband since the class. And we're actually more, we're if closer. If that's not a selling point <laughs> for access consciousness, I don't know what is. It's not one class isn't going to hurt you. Best sex of your life. So far, and then it just can keep getting better and better. So that was really awesome because she was feeling like she might need to get a divorce. Wow. And to go from that to, wow, not only are we not getting divorced, we're, our relationship is even better than ever, and we're really able to be more intimate in a way that works for both of us. So this is this is the best sex of her life with the partner that she's had. Yeah, for that's 16 a, years, I think, at that point. That's amazing because that's one of the things that I think really scares people in a lot of relationships and, and especially men committing is like in the long run, gone just with one person and, and, mm-hmm. and we have this idea that it's a decaying aspect of a yeah. relationship. It'll diminish over time. Exactly. Yeah. And it doesn't, This. I mean, it doesn't have to. No. And a big part of that is, you know, our point of view creates a reality and that's one of the things we talk about a lot in Access. So it's like if we if we actually change the energy in our point of view, then we'd actually have a different possibility show up. Say that again. <laughs> that is so incredibly important. That our point of view creates a reality. Yes. And so what points of views do you have right now that are creating the reality you have right now? And so with money and business, like one of the things I've looked at is all my points of views about money. And is that actually, one, is it true for me? Or did I buy it from somebody else or right. something else? Like media and school and parents and things. What a hard thing to to sift through in your like mental river. Looking for the nuggets that are actually yours. Yeah, because a lot of it isn't. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) What is yours and what what isn't yours that you do truly agree with, Mm -hmm. but is still not yours? It's it's interesting. I go through that all the time on a regular basis. And there are things that, like, I'm I'm pretty sure I haven't touched Mm -hmm. mentally. I'm I'm still discovering stuff, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I want to poke that. Because I kind of like what's going on over there. Uh-huh. And what if, what if I find out that's not actually what I think? And that's what a lot of, that's a whole other topic, right? I mean, yeah. like, that's a lot of us. There's a lot of reasons why we'll not really look at those uh, those little hidden secret things that we might be running from. And, um, and like, that, you know, programs and points of views that we might be functioning from that actually don't work for us. And that's fine. Like, you'll you'll look at it when you look at it. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's no big deal, but it's like even just changing one can change so much. Like really looking at like, oh, you know, what if you didn't have the point of view that you could only get money from working? Right. 
Like right. that was a game changer for me. As soon as I realized that I was only willing to receive money from work and not from someone giving it to me right. or gifting it to me for me winning it from a raffle from sure. me, you know, someone, t- all the different ways money can show up. People like taking me out to dinner, like, yes. you know, all these different, I was not willing to receive that before access. Um, so there's that, uh, but some of my clients have come in, people who've taken my classes or had sessions, somebody else that I absolutely loved, one of, a good friend now, like she took my class and she's actually become a really great friend, is she had this chronic migraines that I didn't even know she had. And in a class, she was like, oh my God, I've had this for years and it's always persistent. Even It might like dial up or down, but it's always sure. there. And Oof. after getting a bar session, an access bar session, it was gone. And she was like, I don't even know what to do with myself right now. Like, yeah. I had no idea it was possible to completely eradicate this. How much freedom do I have to create and live and be happy? Yeah, because how much energy was, was she using to like kind of like keep having to avoid or like power through the pain? Right. And now she doesn't have to do that. She could just choose something else or like choose what she's going to create. So that was pretty phenomenal. Um, people expressing like that they aren't as triggered by all different kinds of things. Sure. Um, I've worked with a lot of people who have experienced abuse. Oh, okay. And uh, they actually feel like they have more choice uh, to either be in a relationship or not and not just be like, oh, I can't because of the trauma and the abuse. Right. Um, or that's maybe they're in relationships now, but this the abuse that they experienced or, or whatever they went through, you know, we had veterans too that they've experienced all this stuff and it becomes almost like this third party in any relationship that they're in. They have to like always navigate through what they've experienced instead of having it not be a consideration anymore. I picture it like like a speed governor on like a go-kart. Like this, <laughs> this third entity that's there. Mm. It's like you got you and you got the go-kart. Mm-hmm. That's what's supposed to be there, right? You're like, well, we don't want you to go that fast. <laughs> let's go ahead and pump the brakes or let's just stop you from being able to achieve the results that you could achieve otherwise yeah and and then to go on more more car we go boating or whatever with this one but so when you're talking about the the all of the analogies. changes right yeah let's <laughs> roll with all of them. <laughs> the changes that are possible from from one one small change in your life one mm-hmm. perspective one perspective change one idea um changing verbiage that you use yeah. like imagine being that boat that's sitting you have two boats sitting right next to each other and they're both on the same heading mm-hmm. and then one boat changes its heading by two degrees yeah and think about a hundred miles down stream yep how much different position they're gonna be in exactly and so, but it's like it's like you are both of the boats like like which where, where are you gonna go mm-hmm. are you gonna stick on this path and keep moving forward or like what choices are you gonna make and what small and run into this big boulder or in the front yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. see the boulder coming like yeah. that's how it was for me with be- being in the schools I was like I'm going to die or I am going to be I'm going to hate this job or I'm going to be really resentful of the kids and that's right. the other thing too like I saw myself like in the future and I was like I'm if I stay here the way it's going I'm going to take it out on the kids and yeah. I don't ever ever want to do that that is some beautiful acknowledgement, especially with some of the stuff that we've seen in the news. Like there was that one, there was a child, I think it was a female, just this little girl who had autism 
and she was getting they had this recording I saw it yeah yeah through it was one day like when I heard the recording of it it was absurd I'm like okay this had to be like over like a couple of months it was one day of abuse and it was from multiple different teachers if I remember mm-hmm. correctly there was like a school bus driver there was teachers and they were just yelling yeah. and so like those are people that never asked those questions or never had that introspective moment of like why do I do because that was the question I kept hearing from everyone that was talking about it mm-hmm. was like how could you be this type of person that would view any child this way mm-hmm. and talk to them that way and I'm like my initial response is they weren't that person yeah always it's just these little choices and choices and choices to like they I'm sure they had those moments of like oh I can't really do this so this isn't really working or like I'm really stressed out yes and then but like, what choice did they make right and they keep saying or like, they keep well, yeah I have this house I have this mortgage payment I can't get or or stuff. they just or they because here's the thing is that happiness is a choice yeah. So I kept, that's one of the things that by adding on the clinic work for me at, at year mark three of the public schools, it actually reminded me that I really love working with the kids that have been abused and neglected and that have aggression and behavior difficulties, that have sensory difficulties. But before I added on a clinic job where I didn't have to deal with any of that and it was just so straightforward and simple, I didn't acknowledge that I was I had the choice to stay in, in the Chicago public schools or not. And it helped me actually have more energy to get through those last two years by adding on this other thing because it gave that me the sense. perspective of like, I have this option. I could choose this. And it's and it's not better or worse. It's just different. It's just different. And, but this is what, this is, I have gifts and capacities with these population of kids, with the culturally linguistically diverse, with the ones that have ADD and autism. And let me choose it and let me commit to this and to myself in doing it in a way that is going to work for me. So it's not like I'm going to not completely ostracize and like yeah. avoid it. It's just let me actually find a way to do it that's sustainable and effective and that doesn't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, little things. It's, yeah. Little things. <laughs> what we're looking for. Just looking. <laughs> so there's just so many, there's so many examples. I'm just going to mention one other one because mm-hmm. there's been the, the PTSD and abuse stuff. There's been like physical things. And there's also the, the mental and psychological in the sense of like, just even, you don't have to have a problem to use access consciousness tools. That's a great point. Like you don't have to actually have something going on with you that you would like to change. It's like, what if you could have what you already have and just make it better? Right. And who's not looking for improvement? Right. No, it's if that's that's one of the another thing that I want to get out of this, and I feel like it's been a consistent theme with anybody that I know that's in any sort of business ownership, any sort of entrepreneurship um, aspects um, or actions in their life, is that nothing's stagnant, mm-hmm. and because stagnation is and lack of growth is akin to death. Like yeah, if we're not my, from my point of view as well. Yeah, and I, that's that's definitely where I sit on it. Like if you're if you're not trying to make yourself better, and it doesn't have to be oh, okay. I'm gonna go to college and I'm gonna go get a degree. And, and you've never had one. It doesn't. There's not a specific path of growth that everyone. There's not only one way the better. Exactly. It's but better. it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> are, you, are you even just taking 10, 15 minutes a day to be mindful to like you meditate or just self reflect? Like, what did I do? Like, what, in my in my interpersonal relationships did I treat people the way that I think that people should be treated 
you know. Eat. I think for many of us, it's actually not so much that. Maybe it's just me. A lot of the people that I have in my life and that come to my classes is that they're amazing at taking care of other people. Right. But are they willing to receive for themselves? Yeah, absolutely. Like, like you're talking about giving yourself permission. I was so big on helping everyone else. At, at the at the sacrifice, I was sacrificing my body, my blood, my blood, sweat, yeah. tears for all my for kids, us. for their parents, for the colleagues, for the school system. And it was this moment of like, what if it wasn't them or me? What if I actually could include myself in the equation of my life and actually take that nurturing and get that if I'm doing better, if I'm more sane and healthy and rested, that I'm actually going to be able to contribute even more to them and have a greater impact in the world. And as soon as I gave myself permission, because no one else was going to. (laughs) They won't. No, no one ever will. Nope. And the thing is, I don't even know if that would be beneficial. Yeah, it's not really like, because either. it's not. Somebody can come up and give you that permission. You would I, probably if, somebody if did maybe, yeah. and I didn't hear and it. If you're, not, <laughs> if you're not ready, then you're you're not going to hear it, or it's not mm-hmm. going to resonate, and you're not going to be able to take action because you haven't done it. Yeah, you have to give yourself. You got to choose it yourself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So when so you have these tools, and you've been going through, and you've been facilitating, and it has created an abundance of opportunities for you and, and mm. creative ventures that you've been able to undertake. Yeah. So one of them I was able to participate in recently. So many of them you're <laughs> part of, even if you, not directly, yeah, well, I will great. acknowledge that. <laughs> well, you are definitely a huge contribution to the fact that this is happening for me right now as well. So Aww. major kudos. Get <laughs> that was a high five for it y'all yep. listening to the recording. Yeah, I didn't get slapped. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you you talk about the interviews that you were doing. I don't want to give it any disservice by trying to to summarize it myself. But you've been doing a series of interviews yeah. lately. So there's two actually. Um, so I started. And it's about to launch this uh, vodcast um, where it's choosing a different future, which talks a lot about what we've been talking about on this on this discussion and this conversation about like, okay, so our choices create our future. And it's not just, and the future actually doesn't exist at all right now. Like if you look at it that way, that's kind of how I look at it. And I like that. It doesn't because exist it makes it, at all. It makes it limitless. Right. It's, it doesn't exist at all. And when we choose something, it's creating a multiple different possible features. And one of the things that I've been looking at with the Choosing a Different Future show is talking to people that either them personally, professionally, or what they've been seeing and, and the people that they've been interacting with, that their choices have actually created a future that was beyond anything that was projected or expected of them. So for my siblings, who I started off with as my first show episode, which I love, um, where we talked about how us individually and together as a family are, are, have created something totally different than anybody else in our family and that we know that is beyond what was projected and expected of us. So I was supposed to be married with multiple kids by the time I was like 25 <laughs> or something, always living in Chicago you know, traveling every once in a while, possibly, but that was like my main role was going to be working in the schools and in doing education and this family life that is not the case right now. 
And uh, my brother and my sister were expected to always live at home. Right. And that they were never going to be able to live on their own, go to college, have relationships, all these different things. I've had doctors on there that see, that talk about how, you know, they've seen for their patients that they've choose different treatments that maybe not everyone else would even recommend or consider that have had amazing results. Um, To people who have experienced abuse, you know, even incest from a very, very young age and that they have amazing, phenomenal lives and they're, you know, empowering other people to know that that's possible for them, that they're beyond those stories. So it's, there's just a couple examples. So those have been really amazing dynamic um, conversations. And, and one of the things that I've gotten from that is one, I get, it's very selfish project on my part because (laughs) I get to talk to some of my favorite people and for in all these different ways to t- to look at and invite people to know that their choices right now are creating their future, but also so that they can ask themselves, so is what you're choosing right now, is it actually creating what you'd like it to create? Or is it create is it destroying your future? That's a good it's a good pausing moment for for yourself. Like in any movement that you're taking, mm-hmm. you know. Are what are my actions actually creating? Mm-hmm. And it's that's if there's one thing I could ask from every individual on earth, it's just to be more introspective and just to take those couple of moments every day. And I'm not perfect at it, I don't do it every day, mm-hmm. and I need to, I try to. But how much more can we get done if we're actually taking that time to reflect? You know, it's just like people that like write a paper and then you just turn it in if you need it, you didn't. You know, double check. You didn't yeah. proofread your own paper that you wrote. Yeah. Like, proofread it. <laughs> check before check you it. send that yeah. out into the world. Exactly. Yeah. Like no, we just we want to we want to take action. We want to push it out, and then not really pay attention too much to all of the results we're getting from it. I think that's a good point. That's yeah. a very good point. And then the other one. So the one that you have been a part of, and I suspect you might. Join me on the choosing a different future one of these days. If I can wrangle you in, we can coordinate our schedules. Just um, let me know. I'll be there. We can talk about politics even. Ooh. I know. I don't ever really okay. let us talk about politics much. <laughs> but I was like, we could do that. We'll, we'll dip our toe in there a little bit, which means we'll basically dive in. Um, knowing you. Um, but the other the other thing that, that I've been looking at around, around fall, October, November of 2018, I was visiting a friend. Uh, in Michigan and uh, a male friend of mine and over the course of that conversation and that we were over the course of the weekend really we had multiple conversations in which he was really vulnerable with me and letting me know these little idiosyncrasies and oddities uh, of him that other people have judged him for and that he's been judging himself for Uh, and and in the past when he's told people about some of these things they have really made him feel very ashamed about it or, you know, just made him feel very wrong. Um, and not only did I not do that, I was like, I actually saw it as the opposite. I, Those are freaking awesome things that you can do, like that you're able to do this and that you have this like beyond a renaissance man type of, you know, worldview and you have all these different skill sets and things and like this is just this little thing that isn't a big deal. Are you able to talk about any of those like without, if we don't say his name... Yeah, well, he's been on the Choosing a Different Future show, so you'll see that too. Okay. Just um, so legit, I think that way you it's just honoring, give people no. some context and so they can really like let that soak in. Yeah, so one of the examples are like, for instance, in you know, 
there are a lot of people that I love and adore that have OCD, have obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, and I, I suspect many of us creative seeking dreamer types have that in different ways. Uh, it's just, we can either use it to our advantage <laughs> Sure. Or we could use yeah. it against ourselves. Yeah, destructive or creative. Right? Like, like yeah. Be... So um, with him, it's a mix of both where he can fixate on certain things and it can be distracting for him to then like listen to someone. So for instance, when sure. we had a conversation uh, for that show, no, for something else it was, we were talking, we were doing a video chat and I knew something was like, I could see it in his, in his eyes and everything yeah. expression as like something's distracting him anymore. <laughs> right where did he go and I was like hey what's going on and he was like so you know the picture frame behind you could you just like turn it like a, like these couple degrees this way or could you change the camera so it's actually in the middle of the frame instead of it being on, on the side and I was like oh you know I I usually do that because I'm so used to so many of my friends having yeah. that as a clerk wow. to distract them and I'm surprised I didn't this time thanks for bringing it up during, you know, I tweaked the camera view, aligned it differently, and we kept on talking. Well, the, the very interesting part about that reaction to me is the openness, and it, I think it probably has to do with the fact that you, like you said, you have so many friends that have those kind of quirks. I used so to much, be that person. Some, that also, <laughs> that, that empathy is definitely there. My response to that would not have been as kind, as much as I would like to think. There's, there's a chance. I'd say there's like a 50-50 chance, depending on like... <laughs> how recently I ate <laughs> that would dictate the response to be like, no, I would, I would probably be some, some sort of a jerk and like zoom into like the crooked picture. Yeah. Like, but you would have addressed <laughs> it. You might have teased him about it, oh, but it's but different. Yeah. Like yeah. the joking teasing yeah. versus making him wrong. That's, that's true. That's and I, good. and given what I know about you, you wouldn't have made him feel like crap oh, about absolutely it, not. which is unfortunately what a lot of other people yeah. have done. So I just didn't make it a big deal. It's all right. Yeah, sure. Thanks for asking. Thanks for letting me know. Now sure. you can actually be more present. And we can have this conversation. Cool. Um, so something like that to like, you know, you know, when like you're watching a movie and um, and you might be eating some popcorn. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a way to eat popcorn where you put it in your mouth and you close your mouth and then you start chewing. Right. <laughs> it's, this, it's this weird thing. Right? <laughs> well, but some people, they eat popcorn and they, they're like chomping on it and their mouth is open while they're chewing. Right. It, for someone who's sensitive to sound, like my friend and many of the people I work with and my kiddos that I work with yeah. and all of that, they're very sensitive to sound. It is actually like nails on a chalkboard yeah. for him. That small thing of like, like having your mouth open periodically while you're chewing instead of having your mouth closed the whole time while mm -hmm. you're chewing popcorn. And so, it would ruin an entire movie for him. It could potentially, like it's to yeah. that extreme. Yeah. And so, in the past, he would just kind of power through. And when I was visiting him, and we were watching a movie, I think it was Halloween. So the movie Halloween, and it was around Halloween time. Uh, I was doing that, and he was like, "So," <laughs> and I was like, "Yes." So this thing, and he, and he, you could see him waiting for me to just be like, "Are you kidding me? Like well, this is not a big deal. Just suck it up." Blah blah blah, right. blah 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 blah. And instead, I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, no big deal. I'll, I can do that. I, and if I slip up every once in a while, I'm sorry. Just remind me. But like, I can, I'll do my best to do that." And the level of relief that he had in his world was like, "Oh, 
Wow. And that's that's what happens and like with these small choices that we can make, like he actually gave himself more permission to speak up yeah. from that point onward about those little things that for him aren't that little. No, it's significant. When I mean think about sitting down and watching a movie and we all have things that, that are gonna annoy us. One of the things that annoys me mm. is if I'm watching a movie with my kids and this is brand new never had to experience I can't before. wait to hear it is, since I know your kids I can't my, wait it, it's Kaylin <laughs> my mm-hmm. oldest because she has a phone now and so now she's texting her friends and stuff throughout the day and all that and then we're sitting there watching a movie and it'll be a movie that her and I discussed like hey what movie do you want to watch oh you want to watch that one yeah. cool I'll go find it I'll pay for it or whatever and we'll watch it yeah. and then it's Quality fun, time. and we're watching it and she's texting mm. and it's not the sound like, that's fine. Then I could see how that would annoy somebody, too. Because mm-hmm. she's got... I gave her a dumb phone. So, it flips, it clicks. Yeah. <laughs> so, she actually... <laughs> she has the buttons. And, uh, but it's it's the lack of attention. And that is... That, like, ruins it for me. Like, I can't enjoy the movie because she's not as engaged as I am in it. Yeah. Which is absurd. <laughs> There's no... That's a choice that I'm making to let it affect me. But it's one that I have a hard time battling. And so... On that, I think that most people should be able to find a way to like kind of empathize or at least sympathize. Yeah, we all have something because, with that. Yeah, because there's gonna be, especially with movies, it's a pretty easy one. Yeah. But yeah, and so that how terrible would it be if you were not only disregarded and how it made you feel, but made to feel like less. Mm-hmm. You're you're less than because you feel that way. Yeah. That is that's that's a tough world, and it and think about the implications of relationships then. Absolutely. So all the different things that you then don't voice and you and you power right. through, right? And then how does how much of how does that affect the quality of your relationships and like how present you can be in them? Like if you're actually honoring you within the relationship, yeah. or are we just making it so that that other person's always comfortable? And that they don't ever right. get to really know all of you and receive yeah. all of you. Um, and that's one of the things that, that I'm really good at is that, and I'll acknowledge that, is that for my friends and, and, and partners and all of that, that like I'd like to know all of them. Like I want to know yeah. all the nooks and crannies yeah. and all these different things. Give them crumbs. Yeah, all <laughs> of it. And, and I'd like them to have all of me as well and know all of that as much as they can. As they can. Well, knowing that I'm the only one that's really going to know all of me. Uh, but th- that was where it started, was this conversation, this project of these conversations with the men in my life. So it started with that weekend, and then I was, and he was saying, like, wow, there's very few people I can mention this stuff to. And that will actually, like, not judge me for it and not make me feel bad for it. And I was like, that's mind-blowing to me that 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 there's so much, like, about these little things, let alone now him being as a man a man in this world like you're aware of all the stuff that's going on with the me too movement yeah. and with all these p- discoveries of people who have been sexually assaulting women and and um and all this stuff with transgender people and like this there's a lot of people that are blaming men for the world for world's problems for you know like they'll say oh the the world would be a better place if women ran the world i'm not sure that's the case i have no interest actually in that <laughs> yeah. world Truthfully, I really don't. Like, I would like a world where we're 
all like nobody's right and nobody's wrong and we're all creating and working together and we yeah. get that that we're different that we're not the opposite sex that we're another the other sex i think that's a that's great if we're if we're talking about the the power of changing words to mm-hmm. change your life like that's a huge one yeah and there's no reason that they should be considered opposites obviously there's male and female like mm-hmm. that's what you got and so um but that puts us immediately into this and, opposition and this, right right yeah absolutely and it's well, and then and then we are overcoming, and depending on who you ask, we have overcome or we are still overcoming, um, you know, uh, disparity of rights, mm-hmm. you know. And so there was, I mean, if you look at where we are today versus where we were 40, 50 years ago, there's significant changes. And I absolutely understand women coming from that perspective of, you know, like I don't have the right to vote. Like, mm-hmm. I think black men had the right to vote before women did. Or it was close. And then, which is, I mean, as, that's, it's very interesting mm-hmm. how that came to be. But where we're at now is there's so much to acknowledge of, of the greatness of people. And, and our ability to find more information is greater than it's ever been. And our ability to get to know people, theoretically, is as great as it's ever been. Mm-hmm. But we're, now we're taking, it's like we've taken a step back. And so we're looking at people on like a cursory versus in depth. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to look at you wide and deep. Lens. <laughs> yeah, right. Like so, you're a female who is brown, and you like men. You know what I mean? And so like these are the categories that we look at you mm-hmm. versus. And then like oh, you me, I'm a white cisgender man you know like <laughs> all of the labels yeah and all and, of the and, boxes and so and... now because you're i'm in that category well okay now we can look at him that way you know yeah so, and it's and this it all define how much we can receive from him and how much he can right. receive from us and how much we can create together or not how limiting yeah how limiting could that be like how many potential and i get like there's there's a safety aspect when we've seen power the power structure be abused. Mm-hmm. But you see it abused from everybody. Yeah. It's a power thing. It's not a gender thing. Mm-hmm. That is so far as I can tell. There's know, a lot there. And that seems like another episode. Yeah, <laughs> another, sure. Another sure. call too. But one of the things that, um, with these conversations, is that it actually piggybacks off of what you just said, um, is that I've always been aware that men judge themselves as much as women that people judge themselves no matter what gender but that a lot of times the the women are getting those the social praise the verbal praise the compliments acknowledgments about a more of a variety of what's going on with them but now it's like it's been touted that like oh don't compliment just her looks compliment her intelligence and you know her savvy her that's great all of that yes awesome and yeah, I'm not sure that there's the same level of, of broadening of the acknowledgments of men. And if anything, in the last couple of year, months, years with the recent events, we've been really focused on these certain men yeah. that and what their actions are mm-hmm. and, then, and then kind of generalizing it to the rest of the male population. And it's very dishonoring of them. And then I've, I've been talking to these men in my life, from cousins to exes to... to um, my own dad and uncles and things where and you know friends of mine from high school and college and things that they're looking at like they feel all this pressure 
they already felt pressure. And then in the recent months and years, they feel like all this pressure about like, well, how can I prove that I'm not like these other guys? Yeah. Um, and also like, I never was like them, but now I feel like there's this all the more effort and there's this like doubt of what they can do or not do, say or not say even more. Um, and these are from people who didn't really have these like almost situations where it was blurry, yeah. but just because now like they're being seen even more through the lens of the actions of all these other men. Right. Um, it's, I, it was really interesting to have these conversations with them and see so acutely how that's showing up in, in the numerable ways, depending on which guy I was talking with. And so I spoke with my friend and I came back from that trip and I actually back up a little bit I talked with him and I was like so what do I contribute to your life and he was looked at me like I was crazy (laughs) and it and for me it was like I asked that question not from a space of like insecurity or fishing for compliments I was asking because I know that I'm awesome and that I have a lot of gifts and capacities but sometimes and this might apply to anybody that's listening to this later like you don't really know which is the ones that people are receiving, that yeah. people are actually appreciating and valuing. So I was like, okay, I get that I have this toolbox of amazingness. Which ones are actually contributing to you? So I can actually acknowledge that. We can both acknowledge that. And maybe I'll do that more consciously. Mm-hmm. Like if that's what you'd like about our dynamic, our friendship, let's, let me do that more. Right. Um, and so for him, he said insight. And, and he was, and I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And he said a bunch of other stuff I'm not going to get into right now, but it was really cool because when I asked him, well, what does, what does he think he contributes to my life? He couldn't tell me. And this is a guy that is like, has so many skills. I can't even name, you know, has, you know, multiple different, like from pyrotechnician to, to painter to what, you know, craftsman. Uh, do 3D rendering and modeling, like, uh, you know, all these different things that he can do, like, physically as well. It's just like, and yet he doesn't get, and then the conversation, he's a wordsmith too, much like yourself. And so, like, I was like, you don't get any, you're not going to acknowledge any of these as gifts and how they might contribute to me, (laughs) not even one of them, really. And that's one of the things that a lot of us do is we focus on the things where we feel like we're lacking. Right. And we don't actually look at, so what? gift are we to the world and to the people in our lives and so I was like all right let me go back and I was coming back from Michigan and I was like I wonder how many other men in my life are making themselves wrong and are judging themselves maybe before this and even more since the recent events um or all the more concerned and like you know kind of wondering what to do with themselves and how they can actually be true to themselves and not like step on anyone's toes and like get in trouble, go to jail, you know, all these, I mean, these are real things that are, that are possible now in a a way that some of it is necessary and some of it is really problematic. (laughs) It's a, it's a very tough balancing act because you want, I, I want any man that takes advantage of his position, you know, not only removed from it, like if he's actually physically abusing women or putting them in a position where they feel obligated to do so in order to get a part or whatever. Yeah, like coercion like, and yeah, things. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like you need to be removed and you need to be locked away or you need to be yeah. forced to pay some sort of restitution for the crimes that you've committed. Like that's, it's unacceptable. However, one, I can't believe Matt Damon got destroyed for his comments 
about saying that there's a difference between basically what he was saying was that there's a difference between assault and harassment. Is if I recall correctly, he's like that's not verbatim what he said, but that was that was the energy and the idea that he was coming across, and it was insane. Like he had to come out and apologize, but then it's really interesting because he was then accepted back into the fold. After being demolished, and he was on Saturday Night Live again. Uh, I have to look at that. I didn't hear about that recently. That's the other thing with it is it like it's unfortunate, and I'm I'm actually one of the things that I love about these discussions is that I kind of get a pass more, or maybe there's so more validity because I'm a woman who's speaking for men. Right. Oh no, absolutely. And and that's one of the things that I, that I'm looking at with this project and these conversations is for me to actually be like, hey, I am a woman. Yeah. And I'm a woman of color. Yeah. And I'm a woman of color who has been sexually assaulted. Right. Repeatedly. And I'm not going to let any of that eclipse all of the contribution that the men in my lives could be to me. And is, that is an interesting way to flex intersectionality back towards the people that view that as a priority to like shake some common sense into there. Like, yes, some men, some men are bad, mm-hmm. and I'm coming from a position of power within your hierarchy yeah. of victimhood. Yeah, and, and I'm educated, exactly. and, I'm, and all these different things. So, any of the reasons why you think, oh, I shouldn't, I should be on this other side of this and be hating men? Nope, I'm not going to choose to hate anybody, and I'm actually going to look for and acknowledge the the men that are a contribution to my life, just like I acknowledge the women that are a contribution to my life. So, so you were saying like with, oh, you absolutely want the men who have been in these positions and doing these coercions and assaults and harassment to be held accountable. I would, I desire that for the women too. Right. I should, I should rephrase and say the people. Yeah. Like that's but really that's the I other meant. thing like, is that yeah. a lot of people aren't looking at the women that are also no. abusive. They're there. The women that are doing the coercion. Uh, the people that are creating division, be it men or women, like I don't really, I don't really want to be around anyone that is yeah. creating division in any respect. It's this weird thing where when people do something that's immoral or illegal, absolutely, if it's illegal, I don't care who you are. I don't care what level of intersectionality you're at. I don't care if you are, if you were God's gift prior to that moment, like. If you did something wrong, then you need to be held accountable for that action, regardless of who you are. So if you are a white male billionaire and you commit that act, um, then you need to be held accountable. But if you are a bisexual, black, transgender, (laughs) how many intersections can we make? Like the top tier... You know, 50% Native American, which is... Yeah. <laughs> but that's like, the thing, is it like, like... I don't care. If you did the same thing, you shouldn't be given a pass. Like, Well, and I think that there's a lot of focus on, on the accountability part. And for me, with this project and with these conversations, I've actually been focusing more on the acknowledgement and the gratitude. I think that's... I think that is... If we're looking at not being reactive and we're mm-hmm. looking at being proactive... That's what we need to do. Yeah. That's how we... Because it's not how do we fix these past things that have gone wrong. It's how do we come together moving forward. 
Yeah. And that's that's it. Or what's actually going to work? And without like, and actually looking at our points of view. So what what words am I saying about men? What words am I saying about women? What words am I saying about people? And is that actually true? And if it and what is that creating? Like for me, yeah. is my reality, my point of view, and is that actually what I'd like it to create? And so one of the things I've noticed, and that I'm so grateful for Access Consciousness for that I was aware of, and it kind of just shed a light on it, was it's not really possible to have judgment and gratitude in the same space. You stole it from me. That's that was going to be my closing line. It was going to be about gratitude and the power. Uh, that was you can beautiful. still say it later. Love I love it. I love it. I don't need to. It's awesome. <laughs> that's great. That is absolutely phenomenal. And, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't yeah. try it. For anybody listening, try it. <laughs> try having those two emotions and those two thought processes at the same time. And be honest. We dare you. Report I mean, back. You, you might you might bounce back. You don't get it doesn't count if you do one second. Nope. Simultaneously. <laughs> you can't. If you're really living in the moment uh, of gratitude, it's the most powerful thought process and emotion. Like physically, like you can feel it throughout your body. It yeah. changes everything. And yeah. so take a moment. Reach out to a family member. Reach out to a friend that you haven't talked to in a while. And you don't need a reason to do it. You don't even need to reach out to them directly. That's just icing on the cake. The cake is taking that moment and thinking about them. Mm-hmm. With gratitude. Yeah. And if you want to get to the collegiate level, you want to get to that, think about the person that really pissed you off today. <laughs> that one dude who cut you off in traffic and find that way to be grateful for that person. Think about the big picture. Maybe you showed up to work uh, a couple of minutes later than you would have. And you and got, got to miss that that meeting or yeah. that or yeah. the or person you, that you don't you, like or you ran you happen and so because of that you happen to get on the elevator with the girl or the guy that you've been interested in you were looking at Ooh, like, ah. oh like think like there's just there's so many different ways to view it and it's not it can be second and third order effects that come out from these things but there's gratitude if you look for it in the littlest things mm-hmm. every every moment of every day especially for us in the united states we had that brief discussion about people that were coming over from, you know, uh, political refugees mm-hmm. and the things that they were, so we're talking about, you know, our hierarchy of needs. Think of being how grateful you are that you have food in your stomach and you woke up this morning. Think mm-hmm. about the potentials that exist because you woke up. Yeah. I think we did like, like three hours-ish. So, that was great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. It was fantastic. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate it if you made it to the end. Much love. <laughs> much Even if you didn't, I'm sending my love and appreciation back to you. Absolutely. And wherever it ended. Um, go ahead and tell them where they can get a hold of you. Um, they can find your stuff. They can find your materials, upcoming events. Yeah. Um, my website is empoweringlightlanguage.com. And they can find me on Facebook and Instagram under my name, Siri Rivas Verdejo. Um and also on the Access Consciousness website, accessconsciousness.com slash Rivas. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow, we did it. The premiere is complete. What an amazing conversation. 
It was such a great opportunity to sit down and talk with Cedis. She's so inspirational and she provides so much value um, in all of her endeavors and everything she does. And hopefully this conversation provided a lot of value to you too to break down some of those barriers and perhaps some of that internal narrative that you have um, that you're battling with to, to truly seek out your utmost potential. So I hope this conversation gave you some food for thought about the different possibilities that are out there for yourself. Cedis was open to the new opportunities in her life and she seized upon them. The boat she needed to burn was her work in the public school system and all of the meaning and significance that she put into that. Now she's still helping so many children and now adults too in ways she likely never even considered early on. So, whoop whoop, good job Cedis, but burn them boats. Thank you so much again, everybody, for checking out the show. I really do hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please come back next week. You'll be able to check out a conversation that I had with Carrie Pollock. This man is a true entrepreneur, business owner, performer, innovator. The list could literally go on for miles. Keep an eye out there for the teaser. It's coming. And then full access comes next week uh, when I drop the show. So if you like what you're hearing so far, please go ahead and rate the show. Um, if the five star thing exists out there, go ahead and, and, and rock me out five stars. That, that, that'd be swell. Uh, and really the thing that I care more about is that you just share it with people. I'm having so much fun just sitting down with these people and having these conversations and getting a chance to pick their brains. And it's so cool. All you guys have to do is just show up and listen. That's the, your, my responsibility is to go find these people, book the time Get there, get everything set up, make sure everything is ready to go. All you have to do is is just hop on Spotify, hop on Anchor, you know, and click play. Do it while you're driving, you know, while you're cleaning, doing some dishes. That's I'm giving you like the lowdown of how I listen to podcasts. This is my life. <laughs> so thanks again, everybody. And I really do hope to see you uh, here again next week. Thanks.